I'm just having all kinds of mic troubles today. I apologize. <laughs> Bless you. A good filler while I figure what's out is going on with my, with my mic. Um, last week, as we continue through this Next Step series, we looked at the conversion story of Paul. God meeting this persecutor of Christians on the road, throwing him from a horse, blinded for three days. Um, but we focused on Ananias, this disciple who had been sent to Saul, Ananias as the presence of the community that Saul despised and tormented. Ananias choosing to enter the life of the hated other so that Saul could be invited into the work of sharing and speaking the good news into the world. It was Ananias choosing to take that next fateful step to invite Paul to take his next fateful step that allowed the church to take her next fateful step. And as I shared last week, um, Acts really is just the story of this early church. It's giving witness to who God is, who Jesus is, what it being church is all about. And it can be th broken down into three parts. Chapters 1 through 8 are about the church reaching out to the Jews and the Samaritans. Chapters 10 through 15 tell the story of the church reaching um, out to the Gentiles, looking beyond the confines of the temple and the holy city to the wider world. And then beyond chapter 15, you really get the story of Paul and Paul's missionary journey, spreading the gospel message to all. But Acts 15 is the hinge point of the book of Acts. It is a crucial moment in the life of the church, and that is where we are going to read today. And as we prepare to hear God's word, let us pray. Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. So looking at Acts 15, verses 1 through 12. Then certain individuals came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to discuss this question with the apostles and the elders. So they were sent on their way by the church. And as they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, they reported the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the believers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. Some believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and said, it's necessary for them to be circumcised and ordered to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met together to consider the matter. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, my brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that I should be the one through whom the Gentiles would hear the message of the good news and become believers. 
And God, who knows the human heart, testified to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And in cleansing their hearts by faith, he has made no distinction between them and us. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing on the neck of the disciples a yoke that neither our ancestors nor we have been able to bear? On the contrary, we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. The whole assembly kept silence and listened to Barnabas and Paul as they told of all the signs and wonders that God had done through them among the Gentiles. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So as you heard, um, everything kind of hinges and hangs on the decision of this council, the decision this council comes to. And I'm sure they could have written a whole book on the places we read one sentence where it said, much debate occurred. You can only imagine. But everything hangs on this decision, the mission of the church, the future of their work, how the story of Jesus will continue to be told how people would participate, all of this hangs on this decision. I think it's hard for us to hold how crucial this meeting would have been because we already know the rest of the story. We're here, Um, but we do know about decisions, um, about rules, about changes that shape how the church will continue to live into their mission and continue to be church. We're not new to this. But imagine not knowing the rest of the story for this passage. This decision would radically alter the next steps of the church. Open it wide or create a more narrow path. Then certain individuals, it says, came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to discuss this question with the apostles and the elders. In other words, they form a committee. They have a meeting. This is how we know their church. The story continues. We hear some of the differing voices. We're told there is much debate Ultimately, the door is swung wide open. But before we jump to that, I want to go back a little bit in the story. Back to the beginning, the very opening passages found in Acts. In Acts 1, Jesus departs. Jesus ascends. He looks at the disciples and he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jump from those beginning words, from chapter 1 to chapter 15, and the leaders of this early church are meeting to discuss their next steps. And these next steps have the potential to affect whether or not they can live out this command of Jesus to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, meaning to everybody. And the question really is this. Is Jesus 
enough? Is the saving work of Christ effective for those who are not Jews or who do not choose to observe the law? Is Jesus enough? After all, Jesus himself was Jewish. The earliest Christian communities were steeped in Jewish scripture and tradition. Could Jesus be the Messiah and yet bring salvation apart from the law? From the rules? Is Jesus enough? The question inspired no small dissension and debate. I love Peter's words um, in the midst of this discussion. He says, Gentiles, um, those other people who aren't Jewish, who don't observe the law, who do life differently than you do, they're really not that different from us, he says. He's trying so hard to get rid of the us and them categories to say, in God, there is no distinction. That yes, indeed, Jesus is enough. We thought we were different, he's saying, because we've always thought we were different. We've been told we were different. But the more we get to know each other, the more stories we shared, the more life we shared, we found points of similarity. So Peter and Paul and Barnabas, they tell these stories and they say God has given the Gentiles the gift of the Holy Spirit and faith, just as God gave these gifts to those Jews who were numbered among us as believers, believers in Jesus. And the Jews who believe in Jesus believe that they will be saved, not by keeping the law, but by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So those sitting around the table, they realize they themselves have been the beneficiaries of the wideness of God's mercy. They recognize God at work at extending mercy also to the Gentiles. In other words, they decide Jesus is enough. And literally you and I sit in this space today continuing this story because of the work of God and the Holy Spirit present at that table as they discussed, as they debated, as they shared stories. One theologian put it this way, um, this is not really the story of God doing a new thing. Rather, God is doing what God has always done, show mercy, creating a people for God's self so that a better way may be lived and shown in the world. Blessing so that they, you and I, will be a blessing. Obviously, there's lots of different ways we could dive into this story, lots of places we could take it, lots of time that could be, sent, uh, that could be spent sitting down and continuing to debate. But what I take away, as we do come to a close looking at this next fateful step, um, this series about the next fateful step of a faithful people, there's two things. There will always be a next step. It doesn't end. There will, all, there will not be a time in history when we as church or society will finally arrive. 
where we will have all the absolutes, nothing more needed to discover or discuss or do. There will always be an other that we find a way to create. This is precisely why we need Jesus, why we need the community of faith um, to hold us up, to challenge us, to correct us, to push us. This is why the community of faith is called out into the world, because we need others outside of our own little box to challenge us, to correct us, to push us. This is also why we cling to the truth of our faith, that in the midst of all that, is, that has been, that is, that will be, Jesus is enough. There will always be a next step. Why? Uh, because God will not give up on us, um, and God will not give up on the world that God so loves. What we learn in the overarching story of scripture over and over again is that we believe in a God who chooses relationship with the world. And what we see about that relationship is God wanting every possible door to be opened so that every possible person in every possible circumstance might find life, the life offered in God. You know how we know that there will always be a next step? Um, some of those messy, some of those easy, some of those hard. It's because if you jump to the end of Acts 15, um, this is what we find. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Come, let us return and visit the brothers and sisters in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark. But Paul decided not to take with them one who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not accompanied them in their work, although I don't feel like Paul has any room to criticize anybody. The disagreement became so sharp that they parted company. There will always be a next step, and sometimes our next steps are messy. You know, this past weekend, not the weekend before, I guess, um, I was asked to lead a Methodist history workshop at the confirmation retreat at Camp Wesley Pines. And I have a calendar, not a calendar, um, some pages in the wall that start with the church in Acts. And I do this with our confirmation group too. And goes through um, the church splits, the church reunifications that bring the United Methodist Church to the place that we are today. But the first thing I have them do is read this piece of paper that I have on the wall that says imperfect people with imperfect practices. Now, where do you find imperfect people? This is a question I'm actually asking you, so prepare yourself. Where do you find imperfect people with imperfect practices? Yeah, so the compromise said everywhere. <laughs> yes, everywhere. And if we find them everywhere, then we also find them in the church. So anytime we go through a piece of the church history, I say, why does this happen? because we are imperfect people with imperfect practices. Another thing I do is hand out these little puzzle pieces. And on each puzzle piece is written a name or a theological word or some day in the life of the church. 
And I do this because I'm teaching Methodist history to compromands, and it's my way of trying to make them listen. And they're supposed to listen for the word on their puzzle piece, so at the end, they can tell the rest of the group, why was this puzzle piece important in the life of the church? So they go through all of these pieces, and as we get done, there's some pieces around the room that are empty puzzle pieces. And I point those out and say, you know, those are your puzzle pieces. You each will get a piece to add to the story of the church. And you get to choose what your piece of the puzzle will be. Over the past few weeks, we've looked at Moses, the baptism of Jesus, Esther, Jonah, and Ananias, all pieces of the puzzle in this continuing story of the church, all at their own time and place. We don't have to liberate a people like Moses or confront the king at the risk of our own lives like Esther or enter the home of the enemy like Ananias, although I do believe God still calls uh, this day people to do such work. But we can trust that no matter what, no matter how big or small our puzzle piece or our next step is, that it matters. It matters, it is valuable, it is effective, because Jesus is enough. So you have had these cards sitting around in your chairs um, for a couple weeks now. Um, some of you have turned them in. Um, some of you have come to me kind of listing all the ways you are already involved in the church and just saying, you know, I can't, there's so much I do. Um, I already have my devotion, my ways I serve. Uh, I don't know that I can add anything else. I'm already doing so much. Um, and I thought, you know, maybe your next step isn't about doing. Maybe it's more about being. Committing to 10 minutes a day to sit in the silence and listen for God. Or maybe you just keep doing all those things, but maybe your next step then is the inviting piece to say, I'll invite five people to church this year, or I'll invite one person who was already in church to come alongside me and join me in all of these things that I'm already doing. Building a bed, counting offerings, singing in the choir, coming to a small group. There will always be a next step. We will never not have to think of our next step. And when you accomplish that goal, the one that you said, yay, celebrate it. Think about what your next faithful step will be. You know, as I think about Acts 15 and um, this moment in the life of the church to sit as they sat around and thought about how they will continue to be church, um, I'm comforted, on the one hand, that this has always been a place the church has been. How are we going to be church in this time and place, on this day, in this moment, in this next year? How will we continue to live out this calling. Comforted by that, but also challenged because, again, there will never be a day when we finally arrive and we have all the answers, 
all the absolutes. Our work is done. Nothing more to debate. It's just not going to happen, guys. <laughs> but I invite you um, to receive this prayer as an offering and as a way of closing. Lord of all, in Jesus you have made us all sisters and brothers in Christ. There is no distinction between Jew and Gentile. There is no separation that can remove any from fellowship in Christ's community. Blind us to our differences so that in unity we may proclaim your truth to all for the sake of Jesus Christ in whom there is harmony and peace. May it be so. Amen.